Like, if people <gasps> listen to this out of context, they're going to think that we made this up, and I wish we had. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we talk about feminism and pop culture. I'm Pate. And I'm Nellie. I want to go ahead and apologize for this insane and episode <laughs> we're about to have, um, as it's, it's unlike anything we have ever done before. First, we are so excited to have Quinn back as our guest star this week. Hi, Quinn. Hi. So I'm laughing so hard because I feel like this sounds like we're about to do something like just so crazy and like so sexy and like just so wild. We're so and, crazy. Like we're just, like so quirky. Like all of us now have bangs. Um, to all the listeners out there, that simply is not about to occur. I will let them continue to do the intro. But also, you guys have been killing it. I'm so excited that you guys have let me come back. And you guys are big, big stars, and I love you so much. <laughs> this is just our plot yeah, to we've gone famous. force you to be back forever. This is, this is me forcing you all to hang out with me. We have and- to force you. <laughs> What did you just say? I said, we have to force you. <laughs> yeah, batch. <laughs> God. Also, Quinn, I don't know if you heard, but two weeks ago, Kayla was like, oh my God, Miss Quinn, I've been here since the OG days. Well, Kayla, um, Quinn's back. <laughs> Kayla, that was so good. And I loved your commentary on Twilight. That was like pretty iconic. So It was so excited. good. Excited to be following in your footsteps as a guest star today, Kayla. You're a star. <laughs> Also, happy belated birthday. <laughs> Wasn't it her birthday? Her birthday is in April. We haven't even gotten through the first paragraph. <laughs> She's an Aries. Okay, I'm shutting my... I'm shutting. <laughs> I'm She'll appreciate it, though. I'll pass it on. It's happy belated half birthday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this week's film is a random choice, but it's one of Nellie's and Quinn's favorite to make fun of. And it seemed only fitting to bring you all along for the ride as we roast the Samantha and American Girl Holiday movie. The Samantha and American Girl Holiday was directed by Nadia Tripp and stars Anna Sophia Robb and a bunch of other actors you've probably never heard of before. It was Yeah. It was a, quote, made-for-TV movie produced in 2004, made 100 years after it was set in 1904, and is on YouTube for free. So we'll be posting the link in the description if you would like to watch it after you listen to this episode or before. Um, hit pause right now and go watch the movie and then come back and listen, whatever order you decide, but here we are. So um, Quinn and I decided last night, Quinn and I watched it together on Zoom share screen because again it's on YouTube and I was watching The Bachelorette so that's why I wasn't there I know y'all are all wondering fans why I wasn't invited but you were invited no I'm joking I don't want them to think we have beef or something yeah so we actually yeah we didn't we're splitting up but this is the second year in a row that Quinn and I have watched this movie together around Christmas time and so I we just, just want to make it clear, though, that the first time that we watched it last year, Pate was invited, and she was, in fact, doing nothing else and simply 
decided not to. So this is the second year that Pete has. That's that. that, No, that's not literally what happened. I, I remember where I was. I was in my bed. Yeah. And and y'all barge in and you're like, we just watched the Samantha American girl doll holiday movie. And let me tell you everything about it. And we're going to laugh about it. And I was not invited. I was invited to the after party when y'all joked about it. And that's kind of that's what, okay. what this is right now. The that's, after party. that's what this is now. So it's our second. I was listening. I thought it was a joke. Keep talking. Are Everyone we having a fight? Yeah, we're all in a fight right now. Everyone listening, you are officially invited to our after party, which is this episode. <laughs> I tried to make that work. I don't think it did. Um, but Quinn and I have decided we're going to watch this movie every year around Christmas time. So hope you join us in this tradition. Okay, so funny story, and I'm sure we'll get on into this later on, but for like the main reason that I wanted to talk about it. But what spurred it in my brain was I have moved to Wisconsin. Quick flex, my big, beautiful, sexy, chaotic, crazy life in Wisconsin. Just kidding. I live in a studio apartment and I'm a corporate squirrel. But I met one of my coworkers and we were having like a get to know you thing. And somehow she brings up that she loves the Samantha American Girl doll movie. And I'm like in a Zoom with all of these people on my team that I met like two weeks before and was like, oh my God, I simply must discuss this with you. And so she and I have been rehashing it a little bit. Hi, Taylor. I told you I would send you the link to this. I don't know if I actually did that because um, I don't know if I want to expose you to this chaos, but shout out to Taylor from work for spurring this idea. Hi, Taylor. You seem fun. We love Taylor. We love Taylor so much. Um, But after talking to her about it, I was like, holy hell, I genuinely, and I know that I speak in hyperbole quite a bit, I genuinely don't know if there is a film that I feel more passionate in my both hatred and undying love for than Samantha, an American Girl holiday. And I feel like with super polarized feelings like that why not kiki with my friends and make fun of it that's my those are my two favorite hobbies kikiing with my friends and making fun of things yeah i wish that i wish that well also i don't wish but part of me wishes that y'all could see Quinn and I when we watch this movie because we're so unhinged we're literally like <laughs> like the whole time i know you oh, can see that but <laughs> oh, I know you couldn't see it, but I feel like you can imagine what that looked like by listening to me do it. Stop. (laughs) You're making it worse. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Okay, Quinn. So I guess on like a more serious note, but I can't imagine any of this episode will be actually serious. Um, Why do you think Samantha, an American Girl holiday movie is so special that you're willing to come back to talk about it with us? Um, And specifically... Well, I can't imagine talking about this movie with anyone else, but specifically tell the fans why it's worthy of feminist critique. A question you know well, because you're an original host of this podcast. No, but this is so nice and so fun, and I'm so glad you guys let me come back. 
Also, I love the phrasing of the question. I don't think that you said it like this, but in the document that we're reading off of, it says, what about this American Girl movie is so special that you were willing to come back and talk about it with this? And I love that because it makes me feel so famous and important when I am simply neither of those things. (laughs) You are important. You are famous. I really wanted you to say, you are famous, Paige. Um, no. You are famous. We're on Spotify wrapped <laughs> right <here. laughs> Um, sorry. I'm sweating. Okay. So, my, like, first foray into feminism, granted, it was, like, a very problematic fr- feminism, but also I was, like, seven or eight, so, hello, was the American Girl Doll franchise. Like, that's how I connected with my female friends who were little girls, Obviously, I'm a white woman who comes from a super middle-class background, so, like, there's a lot of privilege involved in being able to be, like, an American Girl Doll stan. Like, this is one of my waspiest memories of all time, was getting into a silent auction bidding war at my church's Buttercup Festival silent auction over a Samantha American Girl Doll with the money that I got from a lemonade stand. So, it's, like, very- Did you win? No, I did not. I hope she's enjoying that doll today, Kirsten. But it's like very ingrained into my childhood. And it's one of those things that when I look back on it and I revisit it, I'm like, okay, we're all imperfect people. We all do imperfect things. But it's super interesting to see the way that we interpret this movie now. Because although it is ridiculous and obnoxious and silly, I think it really portrays a lot of the issues with white feminism, which sounds kind of crazy to say because, again, it is a direct-to-DVD movie, but if you subject yourself to this film, it, it's kind of insane to watch how incredibly privileged Samantha is and also the ways in which they address issues of, like, gender, class, and then completely sweep race under the rug. And I know that this was 2004, And also American Girl as a whole, like as a whole franchise, has tried to become more inclusive. But I think that it's a good reminder to all of us that we need to be more inclusive and intersectional in our feminism. Because, I mean, American Girl started and still is like a doll company. Fun fact, I looked this up. They're based in Middleton, Wisconsin, which is simply 10 minutes from my home now. Anywho, but when it started it was started by a woman named pleasant which is that is she in the witness protection program why is that her first name i simply don't know but she's a white woman who created dolls for like white women like the first three dolls were kirsten molly and samantha simply the waspiest dolls you have ever seen. But I think that it's interesting to see, okay, now we're in 2020, things are a little bit better in terms of representation within American Girl, but they're still just as expensive. It's still definitely um, emblematic of social status and class as a kid, like who has American Girl dolls on the playground and who doesn't. And also it's important to remember our roots and where our feminism stems from even in childhood. I think that's actually a really good transition into one of our other questions because I encountered a Bustle article. I don't really know if Bustle is at all a credible source. Is it just like a, it might literally just be like a blog kind of, an opinion platform, 
Well, so we're using a 2004 direct to DVD film. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I, but okay. Also, we did find an article. Like, I don't. We're not going to ever necessarily cite it, but it's straight up. Like, there was a New York Times article about like feminism and and Samantha. So I'm like, why? But that one was from 2004. I found a Bustle article from 2014 by Caitlin White to cite my source. And it's titled, Proof Samantha Was the Most Badass American Girl. So this is 10 years after the movie was made. I think, I don't, much longer than that since the doll itself was made. And then... 1986. Thank you. And here are, like, the main points she argues in her little bustle opinion piece. Um, And I would love to pick them apart if you're willing I don't know, but I have a few opinions. Other American Girl dolls, because I read the books. <laughs> and, and like, I don't know why that's I so funny it, to me. Did you read all I of I just them? find it, no, I just read, for some reason, my woke little ass <laughs> read, <laughs> like, the only, didn't read any of the white American Girl doll books. I read the Native American Girl doll book, Kaya. And then I read the um, the African American girl doll. Um, her name's Addie, and I read both of their books. And I didn't read any of the white ones. And just okay, pop off. An ally since I was eight years old. <laughs> um, I actually, this is a side note. I in second grade, my best friend was Meredith Meredith Holmes. Hey, girly, hope you're doing well, girl. Um, but she had the Felicity doll, and we were such good friends that I got Felicity's best friend, which even though she's a side character, costs just as much money. Like, hello. Yeah. I mean, and, I had Nellie, obviously. Cost as much money. But, but Felicity felt the same way, so I appreciated it, because that had never happened to me before in my life. <laughs> well, Felicity is set during the American Revolution, and Elizabeth, her best friend, is a loyalist. And I truly went around for a year of my life telling people that I was a loyalist. (laughs) (laughs) I learned about the American Revolution. I have a very vivid memory of me, like, popping off on why taxation without representation was totally fine. And this is- What was your reasons? I'm so curious. I don't- I'm sure that they were, like, terribly surface level. Like, hello, second grade. But that's why I can never run for office. There are a lot of reasons, but like number one, conservative media Google me and find out that I'm a loyalist. <laughs> they would use this like little clip and be like, Quinn Needham is a loyalist and she's <laughs> radical left. <laughs> They're like, she's so left. She wishes she was back in England. And it's me like in second grade posing with my Elizabeth doll, like <laughs> in my matching outfits with her. Like anything that would win the right over now, it could make you more moderate. This is so unhinged. We literally have not spoken about the movie. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, the whole okay. I just like I can't take this list seriously. Like, well, okay. Let's just do it one at a time. Just read then. the list for okay. Context. So, she, let's just like pop off like quickly one at a time. Okay. Uh, number one, she didn't want to live in her rich little bubble. I mean, that's great and all, but. <laughs> Like, that doesn't make you badass just because you recognize privilege and that you're wealthy. 
Also, say the next Did line she? that Caitlin White says. She says, "Quote: You can't blame Samantha for how she was born, and that's some bullshit. Like that is just the that's, most bullshit. Like that's what Republicans statement. say. Yes, like Caitlin, Caitlin White's White. Republican. Sorry, I'm risk putting you on blast for her puzzle article. <laughs> Caitlin White is a Republican. <laughs> Quinn Needham is a loyalist. Kate is an ally. Um, okay, the second one is she valued education. What? No, she didn't. She didn't want to move to New York City. It's like Samantha she didn't want to leave her. how good she had it with her educational opportunities. No, she And so she educated her friend. And to me, that is just like the most savior complex both of these things are bi- both both these points. I'm just like getting big savior complex vibes from Samantha, which is part of the drinking game that I have created and will be sharing later <laughs> in, the, in the episode. I mean, like, yeah, it's good that she taught Nellie how to read, but like, I don't think that means she values education. If anything, she was like, "Oh my gosh, you don't have this lifelong skill. Like, let me help you." She never was like, "Well, look at me being a teacher." Also, she was eight, so. <laughs> Double. Also, I think it's really one of the things that makes me laugh the most about this film is the way that like the first 20 minutes, the writers truly cannot go 30 seconds without reminding us that Nellie is illiterate. Like literally <laughs> that scene where she's like beating the shit out of that rug and is like, read, please. And I'm like, ah, but then like five minutes later when Samantha, first of all, almost has her friend lose her job, which, like, granted, problematic that her friend even had a job, but, like, it is what it is. She's like, I'll be in New York, and I'll write three times a day. Please write me back, Nellie. And I'm like, she was illiterate five minutes ago. Where is she going to get the postage? Where is she going to get the knowledge of the English language? Hello? Like, teaching your friend Samantha, I understand that you are eight years old. I understand you simply did not have a teaching degree. But let's not ask our illiterate friends to write to us. That's a bit insensitive. Also, I feel like she doesn't really value education if at the end of the movie, the way that she's persuading her her uncle and aunt to keep her friends that she's held hostage in the attic she's like let them be my maids they can be my maids i'm a big big handful i literally cannot (laughs) deal with that moment her first thing was like like, we need three more maids and they all need to be under the age of 12 my favorite part when was when she was like our maid has such a big house that's why she's tired all the time and they're like you are such a social advocate. Like, look at you go. Like, social justice warrior. <laughs> also, she's literally, like, literally, again, five minutes prior, she's like, child labor is bad. And then she's like, unless it's my friends in the attic. And my favorite scene in the entire film is when it's Christmas morning. I'm crying. I'm literally crying. I'm crying. Crying. I'm crying. Y'all have to watch this movie. Please watch this movie. I literally is the biggest meme. Like, if people listen to this out of context, they're gonna think that we made this up, and I wish we had. But my favorite scene is at the end when it's Uncle Garden Court. Cornelia and Uncle Guard literally drags her nasty ass to filth and says he starts his whole like beautiful speech by saying 
well, girls, it's Nellie and her two sisters. Samantha wanted you guys to be our maids, but we think you should be her sisters. <laughs> he literally could have said, hey, do you guys want to be adopted? But instead he's like, that little hoe next to you with the bangs, she mm. wanted to put you in child labor. You but now you're like Samantha. Your secret looks like Samantha. Yeah, she's got the bangs. <laughs> my, uh, uh, my Zoom cut out. My Wi-Fi's gone. I can't continue this episode. Um, Nellie's Nellie, Nellie and you're Samantha. And what does that make me? Bridget. Amelia. The ugly-ass boy that bullies them? <laughs> <laughs> it's Eddie Ryland. Okay. Or am I that, Number like, three. Uh, We're not even through this list yet. Number three. The girl had crazy, sophisticated style. Yes. That's true. I'm literally looking at pictures <laughs> of the outfit. Yes, she did. The actual doll had great outfits. Okay, I'll be <laughs> including some outfits in, we'll be including some outfits in the Instagram. Let us know. Caitlin White, one point you have made that is good. <laughs> okay, number four, ready? She's a budding feminist. No. Little nine-year-old Samantha was asked some pretty important questions for her day and age. And Cindy, remember, remember when that woman literally was like, hey, do you want to vote? And she was like, no. Yeah, exactly. And then Court, or Caitlin White, I almost called her Courtney. Sorry, Caitlin. Your name's Caitlin. She literally was like, and since her story centered around 1904, it's likely that she grew up to me a main, oh, sorry, to be, she has a typo, to be a, main, a mainstay suffragette. And I'm like, no, it didn't seem like it. She was literally like, no, I don't want to vote. Although she did have, like, the privilege and the white feminism of most suffragettes. True. So. Well, I think she was just under the thumb of Grand Mary, who was, like, super proper, like, old lady, was like, no, women shouldn't have to vote. But since she was, like, actually adopted by a legit suffragette, she probably did end up voting. <clears throat> Not that I'm looking into this or anything and analyzing the outcomes of the American girl doll's life. It was because of the work of other people, not because she gave Oh yeah, she she never was like from the get-go super into like voting. But also she was nine. So I'm getting all mad at a (laughs) nine-year-old. Not if I just called a nine-year-old character a hoe. Like (laughs) (laughs) also, oh I do want to say I really am an Anna Sophia Robb stan and I really don't want this to I do not want her to feel targeted in any way. I know she listens to every episode of the pod. Love you. <laughs> like, I love Anna Sophia Robb. I literally have followed her on Instagram Bro. since day one. But I fucking hate Samantha, and that's the tea. Okay, number five is she has a sense of adventure. That's maybe true. Um, yeah. Every man that I come across on Hinge, okay? That is not a character trait. They're like, I'm down for everything. <laughs> or yeah, anything. Like someone, it's like someone's personality trait being social. I'm competitive about everything. everything. Why uh, do I buy for the table? Cheese shows. Okay, Wisconsin <laughs> girl. <laughs> or it's like they're like, I know the best place in town for tacos and margaritas. <laughs> and I'm like, I like and they're like my Samantha to him. My Samantha's favorite TV so show. Come on, y'all. Yeah. Know. The yes, uh, the damn office. 
No, Samantha's Hinge profile, if um, once again she was not nine years old, would literally be like, I know the best place for my mom's old wedding veil and a boathouse to be <laughs> in case of a fire on your wedding day. In case Agatha sets that shit on oh, fire. Literally, <laughs> literally Agatha. Literally drink start- every time a new character is introduced, you'll be black out. Yeah, can we just start talking about how much how like batshit insane this film is well we just have to do number six we don't need oh, to keep sorry, that but i feel like i need to give you the full i need to do caitlin white her the justice she deserves um she deserves no justice but she does she deserves okay, so no. number six is she's a loyal and true friend and then she just goes talks about her savior complex again so there we go <clears throat> Why don't we talk about class now she is a loyal and true friend like she does do a lot for nelly and it's sweet but like i'm sorry i've read too many other american girl doll books to say that samantha's most badass one when literally the native american girl doll was kidnapped from her tribe and through her knowledge of sign language um she stole a horse and went back to her tribe samantha could never do that samantha could never never and that's a shout out kidnap three girls though yeah Fuck. So instead of being kidnapped, she did the kidnapping. He remembers so, yeah, Samantha's the villain in the story. Deadass. I like. I'm still not over it. This nine year old deadass held her friends hostage and then tried to sell them into child labor that would only benefit her. She was like, children shouldn't work in the factories, but they can sure as hell in my house. Transitioning now to a more serious tone, Samantha's main plot, although there are like 900 subplots, so this main plot can be hard to follow, the main plot theme tackles the issues of class through Samantha's budding friendship with Nellie O'Malley, an impoverished Irish immigrant working as a servant at the house next door with her father and two sisters. Do you think that this is a movie... uh, do you think that this movie does this issue justice in a felicitating, in felicitating a conversation so about fast? What is it when you're thinking about Felicity, the American Girl doll that you can't say facilitating? <laughs> in facilitating a conversation about class facilitating <laughs> is like when you open a dialogue felicitating is when you're in second grade and tell everyone you're a loyalist <laughs> <laughs> but to answer this question again i think that we do have to ground ourselves a little bit and remind ourselves that this was a movie that was crafted for children so us like being college educated adults no, it absolutely does not facilitate a conversation about class. But maybe for a child, eh, but I'm I'm still not even going to give it that much credit because it does a poopy pinata job in actually discussing and digging into issues of class and instead uses things like child labor and domestic workers and disputes with that to build Samantha up to be like this really cool and like woke character in a way that just comes across as so incredibly cringy because yes she's a child but it's very clear that this is like the main theme that the director and the writers want to leave with their audience um and also 
in terms of race, like you cannot have a conversation about class in America at any given point, but especially 20th century America, where we really see those gaps and those divides between social class and race associated with that to just completely sweep that or in Samantha's case, beat that onto the rug. Because I mean, there's a scene that Nellie, I'm sure you'll probably talk about, but she speaks to her maid who works in her home, who's black and is like, how long have you been a maid? And she's, the maid Jessie's not even like allowed to answer. And also the maid Jessie only has two lines throughout the entire film. And I found it interesting Nellie and I were creeping on the American Girl doll fandom wiki, and it's super crazy to see, and I guess that this is true of Irish people at the time, Nellie, you can probably speak to this more than I can, um, and I'm setting you up, but it, it like, defines Nellie within this American Girl canon as specifically not being white which I find super interesting. Yeah, so, like, Irish, well, I think Catholics in general, but particularly there was a surge of Irish, Irish Catholic immigrants for that reason, and, like, this was the case with Italian immigrants as well, like, they just weren't considered, like, truly white, which is nuts, because, like, I'm the whitest person you will, could ever look at, I'm, like, almost 100, 100 P. Irish but yeah it's interesting that that is even like the rhetoric on like the fandom wiki and then also that that's like a plot they decided to tackle when it just like could have been well also I really don't think like if the movie is going to talk about like in like xenophobia and like like against immigrants it could totally do that in a more effective way in my opinion that also like intertwines the issue of class but again like you said Quinn like it's not going to be truly doing this subject justice if it's not especially if it's being told in 2004 um in a way that isn't acknowledging people of color I mean it does I guess like like you said it has Jesse (laughs) as this black maid character but again who by the way is an iconic actress in the sense that when Samantha asks her this stupid ass question and I want to punch Samantha in the face, Jessie literally gives her like the biggest side eye. She's like, you've been a maid. And it's literally 1904. And she's like, you can't see me, but pretend you saw. I'm going to blame again, the grand Mary for that because children always ask questions like that. And she obviously asked that question because she was not educated in that. And I'm blaming her grandmother for that. Right, and also, like, Grand Mary. Quinn and I call her Cranberry, for everyone listening. We're so silly. We're so silly. Cranberry literally is, like, like scolds her for, like, talking to the maid and, like, in any of the conversations, like, especially now as we're talking about, like, especially as conversations with anti-racism, like, at the focus, like, the thing to do would be, like, let's unpack, like, what that, what you just asked, and, like, why, again, this is 1904, so I wouldn't have ever expected that to happen, but one of the things that the New York Times article about um, Samantha, here, let me just find the title of it, just so I can, so the, the article is called The Doll That Became the Movie, and then in parentheses it says, no, not Chucky, and it's by, um, 
Alessandra Stanley. And it is a pretty interesting article and it's from 2004, but so one part of it is basically how the idea of American girl doll or girl doll stories and movies was it's kind of like this fantasy of when you're asked the question, like if you could go back in any time in, if you could go back in time and like solve a problem then and there. And like in this case, like we see Samantha quote unquote, like fixing the issue of like child labor in New York city, but in like a huge class divide, but the, like, I, I, I'm like, okay, well, if she's going to go back and fix things, like, why is she leaving all these other things undone? Like, it just, to me, is a question, it, it just causes critical thinking about the franchise as a whole, and also just, like, the, like, we've talked about, like, the, the, the waspiness of it all. There's so much of, like, a savior complex with what, the ways in which Samantha talks about class, because she's like, oh my god, I went, it literally feels like, a mission trip like she like goes to the factory sees what's happening and then goes and like gives a speech on it and then basically learns nothing which again she's nine so I do want to say that but like and this will transition into our next question because I do want to talk about like if this is your example what does that mean in terms of like how you identify as an activist and it could be interesting to talk about this alongside some other American Girl dolls y'all might know more than me I honestly this is like I'm a tried and true Samantha Stan slash hate watcher. So, but I would, am I okay to move on to the next thing? I just wanted to add one more point that I didn't even think about until you brought up the factory scene in particular that bothered me when we rewatched it last night and I didn't really understand why. But looking back on it, you can tell that Samantha is privileged in her class, even in the way that she speaks to like the shopkeeper. And is like, I see my friend, which again, she's nine years old. Like, it's simply not her fault that she does not have this capacity for social awareness or social decorum. But I think that that's super interesting that even like as a self-assured young gal, she knows that she has a higher standing than this man and can like speak to him that way, which also like, I don't know what I was about to say. So cut that part out. Well, and she has so much privilege that like she hasn't really been told no. Yeah. And she just, she literally cuts the line and is like, oh, who are these like grubby children? Like trying to get a job. And I think it's interesting that in that sweatshop scene, we see children of color for like 0.5 seconds, but the kid that, and I don't know if this was a like conscious choice, but the kid who um, sews his hand and it's like a very intense scene is white. And then you think about that scene in which she talks to Jesse, and it's like she's black. And so again, it like, in a weird way, kind of creates this narrative of like, oh, well, domestic work and labor and exploitative work is bad, but it's especially bad if it's happening to white bodies. If it's happening to people of color, then we're just not going to talk about that right now. We're not going to unpack right. that right now. Like, this is your first foray into this conversation and caring about these issues, which I think is interesting. Yeah. And problematic. hmm Absolutely. Well, and so, like I said, I'd love to transition into kind of the example that this movie and, and the franchise sets. Because you, you can't deny that there is, there are definitely are positive things that come out of American Girl, the American Girl brand and I had two American girls but do you think the themes in Samantha truly landed among its young audience slash like 
do you think they were good examples? And then you really can't argue that the American Girl brand is a hu- has a huge platform. I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts. Kate, I'm so curious about what you have to say about this because I know that you were super is this is it a fandom? I guess it is. Like in the American Girl doll fandom when you were young. And also like you have memories of watching this as a child, which I don't. So I'm super yeah. interested to hear what you think. I mean, I'm really glad I didn't become like a huge American Girl doll stand because again, they're so freaking expensive. Um But yeah, like I specifically remember having this on VHS. Yes, we are the age where we did watch VHSs. I feel like people think that we were like a strict DVD generation, but no, like VHS is where it's at. I bet this was exclusively made on VHS. Yeah. We don't know. 2004. Don't know her. But yeah, so I I loved this movie as a child, similar to Nelly, and like I would watch it, I think every Christmas time. And, you know, all the redeeming points, I feel like they're trying to, to explain to us, completely went over my head as a child. I didn't know what the suffragette was. So when they were talking about the vote, I just literally blocked that on my mind. I had no idea they were talking about that. I didn't understand that they were talking about basically how factories are damaging to like, the notion of the American good, you know, I think they're trying to, like, slyly express that through what they're talking about and what Samantha does, but that just really missed the mark with me, and what I took from that was a a cute friendship and that you should be grateful for your family and not an orphan. That's basically what I learned from it, Um, and I think that's, like, you know, there's that's kind of problematic if that is like what children remember from that because Kit Kitridge an American Girl that movie now that movie slaps that's a great movie I remember lessons way more than I remember the Samantha American Girl not movie and I just don't understand why she got a movie before like I said, the Native American girl dog got a movie or the African American girl dog got a movie because their books were fascinating. Well, and that's the interesting thing is, so again, this was like the first, also, fun fact, Julia Roberts's um, production company produced this, Pretty Woman Who? But Samantha was the first in like the American girl doll direct-to-DVD whole thing. And then it was Felicity, white. Then it was Molly, white. Kit Kit Ridge and American Girl, which I saw in theaters with my dad, white. And... King, though, your dad. Also white. He is white. You can take that out. Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> no, I was calling King for taking you to see that. I know. We, we actually talked about it this week. A girl dad. He's such a girl dad. Love you, dad. Hope you're listening. My metrosexual icon. Um, Also, (laughs) side note, this is the second year in a row that Kelly Clarkson's Behind These Hazel Eyes has been in my dad's top 10 most listened to songs of the year on Spotify. We love to see it. But you look at, you know, they're making these toys to be sold and those faces are more inclusive. And I'm sure that there are probably stories and like online games that go with those. But then it's like when you see what's being produced by the American Girl Doll Company on like 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like via a medium that is arguably more accessible to the public because if you're like putting it on TV or you're selling a VHS or a DVD or streaming it somewhere, that's going to cost less than a doll. I think it's very interesting that we're only hearing white stories from that perspective. And again, when I say interesting, most of the time I really mean problematic because watching this as an adult, I know that like, eight-year-old, six-year-old Quinn would have loved this movie. Like, I would have thought that I was Samantha. I would have seen nothing wrong with it. But then again, it's a movie. And at this point, arguably, in 2004, it was a franchise that was built for girls who looked like us and who came from backgrounds that mirrored or were slightly differentiating in terms of socioeconomic status. And that's why I find American Girl, like, as a whole to be a little bit problematic now. Although I do appreciate like the efforts that they've put in to be more inclusive. No, and I, I agree completely. And I honestly gave them more credit earlier when I said what I said, even though it's not super my opinion, but I like, I feel like American Girl is elitist. And I do feel like I really knew that from a young age because I remember it being like, Nelly, you like my parents being like, Nelly, are you sure you want this? Because it costs a lot of money. Like, I remember it was the sort of thing where we were like talking about how much it was going to cost. And I remember being like, Santa will get it for me. <laughs> and it was like, and again, like, I'm not at all trying to pretend like I am of a uh, low income. Like, I come from an, a low income household. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that, like, a question when I was writing this question, it kind of caused me to think about like, if they're sharing the story, what are they doing to like tackle these issues? And then also like, what gives them the, the right to tell the story if their dolls are not accessible to low income families? And like, where are these dolls being made? Are they being made by women and children in sweatshops somewhere? Like, like, I don't know. I know they're made in China. I don't know who's making them, but, and then like, they do partner. I did some research after this and they do partner with charities to like get dolls to kids that are have terminal illness or people in low-income um communities or or just low-income families i do think that as a whole i'm not thrilled <laughs> with the friend like i i'm not necessarily proud to have been like a consumer <laughs> um and i i wouldn't go i i'm i'm uh, yeah i don't know well well, and it's also, like, it's kind of funny that, it's kind of funny how, but, like, honestly, it is kind of funny how this film, like, Pate, I think you said it really well, slyly, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, um, critiques issues of neoliberalism and capitalism when it's literally tied to the American Girl doll franchise, which is in, like, super, I mean, you only see American Girl doll stores, like, physical stores, and, like, super high-income area shopping malls and so again as an adult woman looking at it I agree with you Nellie I'm not proud to have been necessarily a consumer of American Girl Doll stuff but it especially bothers me now watching it knowing that you know they're like child labor's so bad blah 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 and then they're like okay kids watching this get your parents to fork over a hundred dollars of their hard-earned money to have like this status symbol on the playground it's ridiculous yeah that being said it is for free on youtube so exploit the fuck out of that 
Also, can I just have a side note? Um, I just wanted to say, Uncle Guard, the actor who plays him, I know that you're a huge fan of this show, and I know that you are listening right now, and I simply need you to know that I am single in Wisconsin. I Googled you. I know that you have a wife. Um, I'm sure she's really wonderful. I hope you guys are having a wonderful wonderful holiday. Um, however, again, I am single. So if you would like to reach out to me, um, my Instagram is Quinn underscore Needham. I'm a huge Uncle Guard stan. You were one of my first crushes. You are my crush now. And I, I just say that knowing that he is exactly my type, aka dark hair, mustache. But he's not a Republican. How do you know that? He was kind of a narc. He was like, I gotta go to the police. Yeah, and he told them. He's a that, Blue Lives Matter. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Guard is a libertarian. Oh, God. I started my love. Then he life. is your type. Then he, he's my type then. Yeah. yeah, I'm not into libertarians. Have an opinion on something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Uncle Guard. <laughs> Screw you. Oh, he's married to a suffragette, but he's just telling her what she wants to hear the whole time. And then he's going to go and vote third party. Or not vote at all. Or not vote at all. Just to rub yeah, it in. That sounds like you have some... Do we need to unpack that? It's like, yeah, did that happen to you or something? <laughs> also, anyway, let's <laughs> tell that Samantha would love trickle-down economics. And also, yeah. Samantha... I'm, I'm just going to say it probably would have been a Trump stan. You know that she falls within the suburban white women category. Yeah. I don't know. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. Also, she's nine. <laughs> <laughs> she can't vote. She simply can't vote. Um, nor does she want to. She just wouldn't have voted. That's the tea. She's not like the other girls. She doesn't vote. She's <laughs> no, I honestly think she would be like me and grow up in a very staunch, like, Republican household and then get a Twitter and just, like, <laughs> become a liberal F. Samantha was I like, love this, I love this character development for Samantha. And for Pate. That did happen to me, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I have a funny story that maybe we should share on the pod one day. But, like, fun fact, I went, I was a member of the Young Republicans Club in high school for a second because, I guess I have to, um, we're just telling the story now. Okay. You're Um, like, I guess we should tell this at some point. You're like, here it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, like, dropped a bomb on y'all. We can super cut this out if we don't want to talk about it in this episode. But it's up to you. I was like super interested in politics. Like I really enjoyed my history classes and I was about to take AP Gov. So I was like, I want to know like what I believe. I want to know what like the Republican Party believes because I've claimed that I've been one because my family is one. So I'm like interested. Um, I go to a meeting. All they do is talk about how they want to like make t-shirts and have a Valentine's formal. And um, we don't speak about policy we don't speak about like volunteering we don't speak about like anything that republican party stands for and then i asked the president how do we vote on things in this um in this club and he said oh just the men vote i'm so serious he said as a joke like maybe 
This guy was a notorious asshole. We still do not get along. Yeah, so then I was like, okay, I'm not going back to one of those meetings because that's sexist. And I was a feminist at that time. I mean, it might be ironic to say I was a feminist at a Young Republicans meeting, but whatever. And you're you're figuring it out. Yeah, I was figuring it out. And so after that, I was like, I'm not going back. But then I was still in the group me and I'm just going to like call them out. They said so, so many racist things. They said so many homophobic things. And it was just like... It's really disgusting that you are representing your said political party in this way. I still have some screenshots just in case certain people choose to run for public office one day. Yes, I said it. Fuck yeah, Paige. Oh, the most shit I've ever heard. I actually can see Samantha turning into that, channeling that energy at an older age. Okay. So, Paige single redeemed Samantha for me. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, that's so, so badass. That's our story, guys. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to DM me and talk about it. But, like, and so that's why, I opted, you know, there are some people out there who are so past the point of being able to, but, like, I am proof that if you are willing to learn and if you speak to someone in an educated way, like, you can change their mind. Because in fifth grade, I cried when Obama got a little, I thought he was going to ruin our lives. Because my family told me that when the Tina Cradman Trump got elected because he's literally a sexist, racist, fascist. Cop off, sis. Such a good point. And I think that I feel cut down, but in a good way. Like, you knocked me off my high horse, Pate, because there's also privilege. Like, although I, too, am a white woman who comes from the South, I was really lucky. It- lucky compared to like who knows if others would say this but like my mom was super liberal like I was going to Hillary Clinton rally we don't have to include any of this I'm just like literally just having this conversation but I was like going to Hillary Clinton rallies in 2008 like with my parents and my grandparents and I think that it's important for me to remember that I don't you just like have left me with something to think about well we have a bias against people who are like learning like I don't know I I just think we have to show people grace and especially nine-year-olds because I don't want it to be like oh my politics are fully realized and so I need everyone to like step their bussies up because I have no idea what I'm fucking doing most of the time like I'm learning as well and I feel like that's I mean a harmful stereotype against the south to be like oh well people are just like uneducated and stuff you know? Well, and I, like, I value my parents' opinions so much, and I happen to agree with them, but, like, if, like, who knows if I were raised in, like, on the other side of the polarization, if I would have, like, I value their opinions so much, and so I'm sure I very much would have been, like, yeah, okay, me too. Like, when that's what you hear, like, I, the reason why I'm so intensely Democrat is because my parents are insanely Democratic. Like, it's not like I, like, yeah. So who's to say if I were raised in a Republican household, I wouldn't be intensely Republican. Like, it just does, like, I admire people actually more than I, I hold people to a higher regard than I hold myself that were able to, like, form their own opinion. Like, I admire Pate and other friends of ours who have different opinions than their parents, because one, that's, like, hard. Like, that's hard. And 
because also you're like having to have these like tough conversations and like that I mean I have to catch myself doing that because even though I have been educated past the point where like I think differently than my parents my family some friends from home like but like oftentimes when people say certain things or have certain beliefs I think to myself like that's so uneducated like oh my gosh I can't believe they think that but I was that way once too and I like have to remind myself no one is going to willingly be like okay like I do want to change my opinion if you like speak to them in a negative way yeah Oh, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Um, I feel like we will have to talk. I'll keep it in this. I mean, not the whole thing, but I'll no, keep yeah. it in this episode but because, but I hope that like we talk about it again because who's, who's to say how many people have made it this far in the Samantha episode. So we may need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're still here, thanks. Um, <laughs> True fan. Thanks um, and sorry. And well, I think we've, we haven't like officially tackled the is the is this feminist question that we always ask. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say no on behalf of myself. Um, it is not feminist. It you really any say no on behalf of me as well. It has feminist history in it. It has suffered the suffrage movement so minimally, but it is not feminist. It has I'm going to give this one a, a nice try. Nice try, American Girl in 2004. You tried to prank me into thinking you were feminist when I was six, but I see through it now. But also, I'm 22 years old and rewatching this film, so like, who won? Probably American Girl, but. But it's on YouTube, so it's fine. YouTube's winning. Whoever owns the YouTube account. We're all losing because we're all losing. Um, Also, just want to say, American Girl, you gave me trauma. I can't use a sewing machine now. So, this is my personal thing now. Okay, so when we started rewatching this movie, we were in our little group text and sending drinking game ideas. And so my advice is to hop on Zoom share screen with your friends, watch it by yourself, watch it with your dogs, watch it with your families, get your favorite drink, and here are the rules. Also, disclaimer, we're not responsible for anything that happens. Full disclaimer in the description. Um, also, it can be a non-alcoholic drink. Yes, I actually am giving up between, fun fact, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I've decided I'm going to do a little sober month. So I will be using water, personally. Go off, queen. No shade if you are drinking. Just make sure you drink responsibly. I am drinking. Yes. Kate and Quinn are both drinking I Have My Water Bottle. But here are the rules, okay? If you've never seen the movie, it might sound confusing, but trust me, when you watch, you will understand what we're talking about. And check out the Instagram for the full li- list. Okay. Drink every time a new character is introduced. Drink every time a new subplot is introduced. Drink any time Samantha makes you want to punch yourself in the face. Big chug for that one. <laughs> Huge. Pate is chugging <laughs> to demonstrate. <laughs> um, drink every time Samantha says Grand Mary or Uncle Guard. Drink whenever Samantha has the savior complex. Must chug for her entire factory speech. <laughs> drink every time you're confused. <laughs> you also, used to 
I on your. I'm sorry. I wasn't gonna call it out. I'll I'll edit it for the sake of the. English I'm glad major. this is our this is our copy editing right now. We're doing it. Okay. Spoiler alert. I've already I've already spoiled this part. I literally just did. Finish your drink when the child runs his hand through the sewing machine. <laughs> like that actually did like legit. Barbie, I literally can't use the sewing. Give machine. me nightmares as a child. Me too. And like Les Mis vibes. I remember one time someone being like someone being like what's your favorite scary movie? When I was like a few years older and I think I literally said Amanda, Amanda, Samantha American Girl doll movie. Samantha American Girl doll when the child gets a needle shoved through. It's scary. That is heavy. But I think that that shines a light on something really quick, quick tangent. What genre is this film? Like it's <laughs> this movie, That's but it is truly only cold out. It's truly only cold outside for 15 minutes of this film. And it's New like, York and Christmas time. Also, happy holidays. Happy holidays. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's keep going. (laughs) Drink every time someone says factory. Drink every time you want to smooch Uncle Guard. For me, that would be um, approximately one hour, 26 minutes, and 34 seconds of the film. (laughs) I have a mouthful of wine. Otherwise, I would say ditto. Personally, it's not my type, but whatever. And finally, take a shot when Jenny finally speaks. No context. Just leave it at that. No context. Just leave it. Think about who Jenny is, and when she speaks, take a shot of your beverage of choice. Mine will be water. Not a wine. I will be watching this movie on Christmas. A shot of wine. A shot of high C. Okay time for action items also um we don't have time to read these but when you're watching this on youtube i very much encourage you to read the comments they're funny they are so unhinged so unhinged not quite as unhinged as us one of the comments i'll just say real quick is like wow so sad their parents died (laughs) (laughs) so like now this is real cinema Everybody in these comments loves it. It's literally, and they're written as if they are Nellie O'Malley learning to write. <laughs> you cannot include that. That sounds like I need one. We have to. We have to. We have so to. You hate illiterate people. <laughs> my fave comment was, "I really like this movie, and I want to want my mom to watch it. And there is a ninety percent chance she will cry." <laughs> <laughs> there was no commas it was a run-on sentence no commas why not a hundred percent why not 50 percent okay so for action items this week i am plugging yes she can ink okay so yes she can i'm just going to read their mission from their website which says the mission of yes she can is to help teens and young women with autism with autism spectrum disorders and related social and learning disabilities develop transferable job skills to enable them to join and be successful in the competitive workforce. And one of the things that they, one of the opportunities that they have is you can donate your American Girl doll, which actually I found two, my two American Girl dolls this weekend when I was doing some cleaning. And I was like thinking, what can I do with these? Um, So perhaps join me in donating them. And basically, they'll be used 
in coaching and job skills and workplace social skills at Yes, She Can Inc. So consider also if you have, even if like, like maybe you encounter dolls clothing or things like that, or you can also just donate money. Um, I know that we're probably all looking to get rid of some stuff. So especially American Girl stuff is very high quality. So give it to, give it to Yes, She Can Inc. So my action item for this week really has nothing to do with Samantha, the American Girl doll. Um, but it is that I think is close to our hearts and especially is, I think, well-known in the Homewood community. It's College Choice Foundation, which was created by a Swanee alum. Um, it's a nonprofit organization that helps high-achieving, motivated students from low-income backgrounds attend the college that is their best fit and one that they can afford. Um, and they, the college administrated admissions. They help the college admissions process um, anywhere from test prep skill, financial aid support, and even take um, these kids on college visits. If you're a Swanee student, you might have seen them around campus. They come and they have matching t-shirts and it's really cute. Um, but it's just a really great organization. Um, and it, if you want to learn more or help uh, donate or anything like that, go to collegechoicefoundation.org. And mine's really quick. Also, like Pate, it is not related to Samantha. However, I don't know if I've like mentioned it. 500 times but I live in Wisconsin now and it is very very cold up here we are now in the holidays in the holiday spirit but along with the holiday spirit comes incredibly cold weather so I would like to plug the Madison Gas and Electric Foundation um, you can find them at mge.com and if you are so inclined or so able I would highly suggest making a donation to their fund, which seeks to provide low-income families and communities with heat and protection against this really cold weather, which is super, super, super important. Um, and if you live in the North or the Midwest, I encourage you to check and see if utilities companies around you are doing a similar program, but it's a really great way to do something small that can have a really great impact on your community. And now, since I'm so cool and so famous and am a guest star, I get to say the quote. And I think, Nellie, would you, do you think that we've quoted this to each other, like, in the range of at least a hundred times in the past? When Quinn and I were defending our women's and gender studies theses, we used to quote this a lot. All the time, because I just... It's like the most child actory line of all time, and I am going to now present it to you in my child actor voice. <clears throat> These are not the words I had written, but are the words that I need to say. Again, no context. We hope you catch that while you're chugging your drink. Yeah. Because Turn that is during the factory speech. Y'all are going to be wasted by the end of this. Please drink responsibly. Drink with a friend. Drink water. Anyway. What? Have a snack. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even hear that face. Well, thanks, Quinn, for coming back. Thanks for coming. Now I'm going to be sad.
Why am I not Because you're not going to be back. Yeah. I'm not? Next week. See you next week, Quinn. That's- yeah, Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-uh. I don't know if you heard, but at the end of last week's episode, it was like, maybe Quinn will be on next week. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if anyone made it this far, like, get excited. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens. Bye. Bye. Bye.